Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into stress-less camping. Each week, we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and destinations, and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire as we enjoy some stress-less camping. Welcome to the campfire. The virtual campfire where we are two RV industry veterans who travel part-time in a small trailer looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips, tricks, and discounts. We had such a great weekend. Yeah, it was terrific. Well, I guess technically not weekend. No, it was during the week. (laughs) We taught our first basic training camp. Yes, it was RV basic training. It's here in Northern California at a place called Clear Lake Campground. And we had a few people join us for basic training on the systems and functions of their RVs, but also cool tips and tricks and things like that. Right. Basically, we think of it as a really long version of your new RV walkthrough from when you picked up your RV at the dealership and they told you everything you needed to know in one hour. We spread it out to 12. Exactly. And we have chili dog wraps in the That's evening. right. And yeah. we had peanut butter s'mores. We did some campfire cooking. Yeah, that was fun. People got to try out the grub sticks. Yes. And I think everybody wants them now. <laughs> How can you not? I know, right? <laughs> it was a whole lot of fun. And Clear Lake Campground, I mean... It was plenty hot. It's really hot as we record this here in Northern California, over 100 degrees. But Clear Lake Campground is right on Cache Creek. And there was a nice breeze for most of the time and even some rain. Yeah. So it was was a crazy weekend. We had a lot of thunderstorms and rain and that kept it cooler but muggier Mm -hmm. but it also caused some problems around northern california yeah well fires are back yeah lightning strikes caused some fires and so yeah we're in fire season again right now whoopee yeah oh boy yeah so here come the evacuations and all that right black and we actually did see a log in a fire pit next to us that was empty when we got there and it didn't do anything for several hours and all of a sudden we noticed it smoldering so there's a lot of safety information that we should know about campfires and fire in general so we thought you know we really should talk with someone in the know about campfires and how to do a good job of being safe with and around campfires and so we contacted the u.s department of agriculture Forest Service and got to speak with Maureen Brooks, who's the Wildfire Prevention Program Manager. And that was great. She was, well, I mean, I don't need to tell you what she said because we're just going to yeah, let recorded you hear it, it. yourselves. <laughs> so, right after this, we will be back with Maureen. I see you're packing for our next road trip. Oh, yeah. These are all the ingredients for making different grilled cheese sandwiches with our grub stick. Great. But uh, where are the clothes? I got all kinds of inspiration for making grilled cheese sandwiches with our grub sticks over the campfire. There are 11 kinds of cheese and bacon, bacon jam, ham, five kinds of bread. Wait, okay. That's all for making grilled cheese sandwiches? Yeah. I know the grub stick is a perfect campfire accessory made of quality parts that work together for sandwiches, hot dogs, s'mores, woofums, and all sorts of other great meals. But isn't this a bit too much variety? 
Camping is supposed to be simple. Oh, it's simple to use your grub stick over the campfire or even on the barbecue to make great meals. And even kids can use them safely and easily. Plus, with the coupon code HAPPYCAMPERS, you get 15% off your grub sticks. It's the best deal around. Yeah, but it's going to take us weeks to eat that mini grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> oh, yeah. Weeks of grilled cheese. You say that like it's a bad thing. And you haven't even seen what I packed for breakfast and dinners. We are going to be camping for months. My husband is insane. But Grubstick is the perfect cooking accessory for any campfire. And you can get 15% off using the coupon code HAPPYCAMPERS from our partners page at StresslessCamping.com. We are back and we have the privilege of having Maureen Brooks with us, who is with the USDA Forest Service. She is the Wildfire Prevention Program Manager over there. And we know there's a lot of people who are new to RVing or new to camping. And we wanted to talk to Maureen more about campfire safety and wildfire safety. Welcome, Maureen. Thank you for joining us, Maureen. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So I would imagine you spend your days around this type of information, keeping people safe around campfires to start with. And I have read that there is some additional kind of incident of wildfire danger with all the new RVers and campers out there? There certainly can be. With the increased number of people that are visiting our public lands, there is the opportunity to have an increase in the number of human-caused wildfires. I will say, though, that one of the things we're seeing right now is that while we are having record number of visitation to our national forest, actually the statistics are not that we're having a comparative increase in the number of human-caused fires. So people are being careful, but we do have a lot of new visitors to the forest, and it is important to help them learn the things to have an enjoyable time. Yeah, that's really good news that you're not seeing a big increase in the fire danger. We were at a camp this weekend, and we look over and the neighboring campsite was empty, but all of a sudden the campfire started to smolder and smoke. Oh, wow. We were really surprised. So what are some of the things people should be aware of with campfires? One of the things is to, we always recommend if, you know, they're in an area that has a designated campfire spot that they should actually use that spot. And even, you know, when they go to an area, they should learn about whether there are any restrictions on having a you know, an open fire. So that's really like the first step. Know if fires are allowed. If they are allowed to use the area, the, either a campfire ring or the campfire that's actually area that's actually provided. And it's important to make sure that they clear out the campfire area of all the any debris that might have fallen, say like, you know, if no one's been there for a while, there could be branches and things down. So you want to clear those things out, all that vegetation that could, is flammable out of the way. And then we recommend keeping your fire small. You know, you never want to, we say, keep it small, not tall, never leave it unattended, and then just be prepared. Be prepared to extinguish it before you actually light it. Have a water bucket, a shovel so that you can actually do what we teach is to drown, stir, drown, feel. So drown the fire with water, stir it with the shovel, drown it again, and then feel it with the back of your hand over the top of the debris that's there to make sure that it's cool enough to leave it. Because if it's too hot to touch, it's too hot to leave. Right. That's a good point. I Truthfully, with all the RVing I've done, I've never seen anybody 
bring a bucket of water to just have there. And that's mm-hmm. that's a great idea. I remember when I was a kid and we went camping, my dad always had this army surplus shovel that he used for that right. until he dropped it in and it burned one time. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good point. And then there's a lot of campgrounds now or even regions where they ask you not to bring wood from outside the region. That's correct. So you should buy it locally because, you know, you can actually transport insects in that downed firewood from one place to another. So that's why we're asking not to do that. Right. Yeah, we have an issue with bark beetles out here, I believe. Right. That is a potential source of that. Sure. So it is important. Fire restrictions are important. So people visiting, you know, an area the first time, that's a question to ask. You know, when you get there, ask what if there are any restrictions in place. You know, and also if people are RVing, they might be towing something behind it, you know, maybe a car or They could be towing a boat and even just pulling their trailer behind their vehicle. Another thing that we talk about often is we do get fires from chains that are improperly connected. And so dragging chains can start a wildfire. So you want to make sure that you've properly connected the chains with any type of trailer so that you don't end up accidentally sparking a wildfire. So that's another important tip for our new campers to be thinking about while they're out there. Absolutely. That was a cause of one of our big fires that we had two years ago here. And there was Mm -hmm. one that was also caused by a wheel bearing that failed. And one of the Uh. bearings itself actually was so hot. It was red hot, went out and sparked some brush on the side of the road and then problems. So vehicle maintenance too, keep those wheel bearings in good shape. But yeah, the chains are a good point. Or for example, we have a hose that comes out of the side of our trailer for a barbecue or fire pit. And that loves to come out and wants to scrape on the ground. So yeah. we uh, finally mitigated that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, having everything secured properly is important. Yeah. Important safety. I think for people who are just beginning to enjoy the outdoors, you know, we talk about know before you go and to think about planning ahead for where they might want to camp and maybe having alternatives if they're doing Say they want to do in a dispersed recreation area where it's not an actual campground, they may want to call ahead and actually have some alternatives in case they get there and find that those dispersed areas are all are full mm-hmm. so they have an alternative to go to. So it does take a little bit of planning, but as you all know, camping is quite relaxing and quite fun and it's nice for people to get in the outdoors and enjoy, just enjoy that environment. There's so much beauty out there and we have so many, especially on the West Coast, in my opinion. We have so many wonderful public lands that we can take advantage of. We're pretty darn fortunate that our tax money goes to creating so much beauty for us or maintaining, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> well, sure, and making it available and to the public. And, now, and there are times when we might have closures or restrictions, but there's reasons for those. Either there's a high fire danger, it might be unsafe for people to visit, but it really is a wonderful thing that we have. I agree. So we just had the Great Outdoors Act passed, and that will contribute to what we have now in terms of beautification and maintenance and such. Yeah, we're very happy that that has passed. I know the Chief of the Forest Service was very pleased to be part of that. So it's a very good thing for us. We're glad to hear that. We are, too, as people who love 
these beautiful lands that we have here. And any further tips you'd like to share with our audience about fire safety? The other thing I'd like to mention is, you know, sometimes we might go to recreation areas and we find that the parking lots are full or we might even go to a real remote area to camp. It's about parking on dry grass and being aware that the undercarriages of our vehicles are very hot you know, and can start a wildfire that way. So being aware of that, if there's a designated parking area to park on that, if a parking area is full, having an alternative so that people wouldn't be tempted to park off the, like in the grass and off the parking area. So being mindful of that, that our you know, our vehicles and equipment are very hot and can actually start wildfires just yeah, from the heat yeah. of the engine and the undercarriage. Mm-hmm. One of the things a lot of people don't realize, all modern gasoline vehicles have a catalytic converter, and that gets between 12 and 1600 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. So that'll do a good job of sparking a fire. Sure. Especially sure. on that dry grass. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's a great tip and something we should all be cognizant of, of the right. heat of our vehicles and where they're going. And we do have some places that people can go for more information. One of them is uh, the website smokybear.com. There are tips on there about camping and how to make a campfire, how to properly extinguish it. Discovertheforest.org is a site that has a lot of different information about enjoying the outdoors uh, and learning about the outdoors. So when people are out camping, it provides some helpful tips for there. And then, you know, we recently launched another campaign called Be Outdoor Safe. And um, it's kind of a combination of fire prevention and discover the forest information about people, how to recreate outdoors responsibly and safely. We kind of like to say how it kind of helps people keep our safe places safe. So those are some good places to go. Those are great. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a, um, another uh, campaign called Recreate Responsibly that's put on by a partner organization of the Forest Service. So there's a lot of great information out there on the internet that people can look toward and learn. Well, that's fantastic. And we will share all those in our show notes and such and have well, our audience have that available to them. And we sincerely appreciate your time today and your coming to join us here by our virtual campfire to tell us about how to behave around real campfires. Well, certainly (laughs) enjoy it and be careful out there. Thank you so much. Yes, we will. Thank you. And remember, only you can prevent wildfires. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Have a great afternoon. You You too. too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. our camping reservations no everything's full we might have to rethink our trip no way did you look at boondockers welcome you remember they have hosts all over the place where we can stay free some that are totally off-grid camping and some with partial and even full hookups there's all kinds of great places to overnight of course and we even have a coupon code to join boondockers welcome on our partners page You could save five bucks when you sign up. How could I forget? There are all kinds of great places we can find on the Boondockers Welcome website. Our trip is saved. And speaking of saving money, we will, since there's no charge to stay at any Boondockers Welcome site. It's the best deal out there, and it's a great way to meet local hosts and stay in local places and expand our journey. Well, I'm going to finish planning our epic road trip, and it's going to be even better with stays we find on the Boondockers Welcome website. And it's so easy to locate hosts along your next epic adventure. Well, now that we know about 
campfire and how to behave correctly around campfires. One <laughs> of the things she said is keep the campfire small. And all I could think of is Manya and her campfires. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, I'll play that section for you, Manya. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we did have very lovely and manageable campfire when we camped at Manchester KOA a couple weeks ago. Yes, though. we did. Which is right on the coast of California, Northern California. And here inland, it's been upper 90s, low 100s. Blech. Yeah, and out on the coast, it was like in the low 70s. It was beautiful. We actually both yeah. got there and said, oh, <laughs> we forgot to pack long pants. Yeah. <laughs> we neither, neither of us thought about it. Yeah, fortunately, I'm lazy. And I had long pants still in from some other camp, but I did put some long pants in the trailer to keep in there permanently. And I had to wear Christmas pajamas because those yeah. were the only long pajama pants, the only long pants I had. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that's okay. Christmas in August. That's right. So we really enjoyed, we went to... Gualala and the Manchester Beach KOA. Yeah, so we basically just kind of hung out a little bit on part of the Mendocino Coast, which was gorgeous and beautiful. It really is. If you come around to Northern California, definitely spend some time on the Mendocino Coast. It's incredible how the surf and the waves have eroded the rock and there's like caves and the and formations. Like rock arches. And yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful part of the country and of the state. Yes, and Peggy is going to write a post about it. I am. I'm on it. <laughs> I'm the campfire under your keister. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and so while we were there, we drove around a bit and explored and did a little bit of walking out on the cliffs as we maintained you know, safety, because there are some <laughs> cliffs where they're like, hey, don't go here, dude. And so we didn't go there. And dude. Tony maintained more safety than I did because he's a little bit more concerned about falling off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I'm not a big heights kind of so guy. So the pictures that you see that are kind of straight down, I took those. <laughs> <laughs> the ones of my backside taking a picture, he took those. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of things. Oh, boy. <laughs> Jeez. But one of the things we did was went to the Point Arena Lighthouse. Yeah. That and is that just was super fantastic. Cool. I love lighthouses for some reason. I think they're fascinating. They are. The Point Arena Lighthouse was built originally in 1870, but in 1906, San Francisco had a big, big, big earthquake that made its way all the way out to Point Arena, and it shook up the original lighthouse, which was apparently bricks and such. You know, it was like stones and iron, and they had to demolish it. Right. So they found a company that made smokestacks for factories and such and said, hey, build us a lighthouse that is basically earthquake proof. Oh. And they did. And so they built this one, which is 115 feet tall. Unfortunately, right now it's not open. So Tony couldn't test his, <laughs> his fear of heights and walk up in the tower. He thought maybe he would do it. I would. I, you know, I like lighthouses enough that as much as I don't like heights, I would go up in there. And so we may around. have to go back another time when that tower yeah. is open and get a chance to walk up the center of it. One of the neat things is the visitor center is open and they practice good social distancing and masks and yep. they have hand sanitizers and all and they have cool tchotchkes to buy right. take home, <laughs> which we did. But they have the Fresnel lens in there, which is the big prismed lens that was in the lighthouse, the 1908 lighthouse. And so get this, this thing Six feet in diameter and weighs 4,700 pounds. It was 
gargantuan. It yeah, was it's so, so cool. Amazing. And it's made up of 258 hand ground glass prisms, all focused toward three sets of double bullseyes. And so these bullseyes are what give Point Arena Lighthouse its light signature of two flashes every six seconds. And if you don't know, lighthouses all have different, well, in the olden days, all have different Fresnel lenses. So the light signature is unique to each lighthouse so that if you're a ship and you see a light pattern or flashing pattern, whatever it happens to be, you'll know. <laughs> Whoops, well, we're in the we wrong part the of the... <laughs> maps wrong. <laughs> and, you know, I, if I hadn't experienced something like this myself, I might think, well, how can you not know where you are? But you know, we live on Clear Lake, and one time some friends brought me across the lake, and it got dark dusk oh, yeah. as we were approaching our side of the lake, and we knew kind of where to go, but we wound up probably two miles off of where they wanted to drop me off, and we weren't really sure where we were till we like literally got on the shore on a dock and then we're like, oh, this is the dock for this restaurant. Now I know we have to go that direction a mile or two. Yeah, you can easily It's get... really easy to get a little, you know, a little bit off makes a big difference. And imagine if you're a ship's captain coming from like South America or something and you're not quite sure, man, have I, have I gotten there? And, you know, how much scurvy can we have? And watch <laughs> out for those pirates. are mighty. But seriously, I mean, the lighthouses really helped. And also the Mendocino Coast is pretty rocky and there are some pretty significant boat accidents and sinkings out there. Right. So that light signature told you where you were and that they probably gave you some hints like that means don't come close or yeah. whatever. Well, there's also the foghorn when it's, and it was foggy while we it were was, out there. yeah. But the foghorn has been decommissioned. Now we have computers on boats and it's not as romantic, <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, it is safer, but I kind of dig the, so maybe I should put a foghorn on our truck. Maybe not. Maybe not. So the other cool thing is that uh, Fresnel lens, they basically spin around, which creates the flashing and, and the light pattern and all of that. And this one originally had, there was no electricity there. So they featured a mercury bath drive system. So basically this thing's floating in mercury and it, like a cuckoo clock, you have to wind the darn thing. And so the keepers called wikis but not like Wikipedia, but like they were trimming wicks <laughs> trimming for the wicks. light, had to hand crank this thing with a 160 pound weight every 75 minutes. Oh, so they would wind it and then it would slowly unwind in the mercury bath. Well, it kind of pulled down and then the thing, the whole mechanism, because as I said, the light's like 4,700 pounds, sort of floated in this mercury bath and that was how it was able to turn and such so that's fascinating. yeah it's amazing when you think about it. and think about basically you've got this open flame you've got this bath of mercury <laughs> i mean it's you you've know got this for how many weight how much weight 160 pound weight of no i mean the the glass itself oh it's 4700 4, pounds 4700 pounds of glass well and then you had and you to, break one lens and then oh, you lose your pattern and yeah wow, you have just to crazy yeah it's all this maintenance and you would the wikis would actually go in the light and trim the wicks and had to do that regularly too and the thing was fueled by oil originally because there was no electricity
city out there on the coast at that time. And every hour you have to carry these buckets of oil up there. So crazy. It was not easy. <laughs> and then when they took the Fresnel lens out, they put a different kind yeah, of a lens in there. Yeah, they put an automated system. And again, I mean, yes, it's more reliable and you don't have to trim wicks and carry oil and move weights and all this stuff but it's you know it's automated and and of course that is logically better but the romanticism of killing yourself around mercury and oil (laughs) is gone so uh, it just fascinates me from that huge giant series of glass that big lens to now like the size of a bread box with an led light in it it's an led (laughs) again progress but it's nothing like those Fresnel lenses. Yeah. I really like them. So this lens, they took the lens down from the actual lighthouse and it's in the visitor center as is the counterweight system and the foghorn. So there's a visitor center and you can see all this stuff and that's open now. But I got to see one of these lenses up in a lighthouse in San Pedro. Oh. I don't know if it's still up there or not. You know, the, the Fresnel lens... By the way, here at Point Arena is valued at three and a half million dollars. Wow. But what are you going to, you know, it's not like you can hide it. I mean, it's (laughs) 4,700 pounds. Nobody's going to sneak in there in the night with a sack over their back and right <laughs> walk away with it <laughs> i would like to go in there and shine a flashlight up in it but that's just me <laughs> anyway silly 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 and so after we had this tour which was great and fun it was coffee time coffee time and we did some driving around on the coast just enjoying the coast by the way it's mid-august and that is i never really related it to a specific week of the year but that's when naked ladies are and no, I don't mean women running around with no clothes on. What? The flowers, the flowers called naked ladies. This is the time when they bloom. And there there are so many on the coast. I started to think that there was something special about the coast. But then I did some research and discovered it was because we were there right at the right time. But they are... Nothing like naked lady season. <laughs> I kept taking pictures out the windows because they were just, they just fascinated me. There were so many of them. They were so pretty. You know, what's funny is my mom used to like them just because of the name. Because she'd go, oh, I have a bunch of naked ladies in the yard. Just to... <laughs> She had the same sense of humor as I have. <laughs> so anyway, we ended up in Walala. Walala. Or Walala. And looked around for coffee and we found the Walala Bakery. And in order to practice safety, we went in one at a time to get our coffee and Tony came out first and he had his coffee and he had his little afternoon cake and he had five of the biggest pecan rolls I've ever (laughs) seen. And we were camping with friends and there happened to be five of us in total. So And so he figured if that's how many were in the bakery and that's how many were at camp, it was a sign and he had to have them for breakfast. Here's your sign. <laughs> yeah, the sign is, the scale is moving up too high. But you know what? Those pecan rolls were fantastic. They were so good. And I good. fried up some bacon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We had a good breakfast. But first oh, we yeah. had a good afternoon. I had a carrot cake muffin and it was <laughs> really yummy. Yeah. So that was in Guala, and there's some cool stuff in the area. I Fort Bragg was what an hour north. Yeah, which we probably ended up driving an hour south, but we didn't yeah. drive an hour north. But we tend to go to Fort Bragg with some fair regularity. Oh, yeah. Roundman Smokehouse, right? <laughs> and we just 
hadn't really been that far south. You know, it's not that much farther, 100 miles or something, and we never really hung out in that part of the state. So it was a great chance to just kind of be tourists on a little bit yeah, more of the coast that we, we live on. Yeah, seen as much. And also in the area, there's things like Bowling Ball Beach and Glass Beach, and there's the B. Bryan Preserve, which we're going to have another episode where we feature that. That has like giraffes and all kinds of African animals there on the coast. Isn't that trippy? Yeah. So this is all the whole coast from Fort Bragg down to like the Guadalajara area. Yeah. Mendocino Coast is neat. I like the town of Mendocino and Fort Bragg, but this is a part we hadn't really spent time in. So we stayed at the Manchester KOA and at Manchester Beach and it was it's a really nice it reminded me kind of of a state park because it you know our experience with the state parks they have tend to have bigger spaces and they don't have as many hookups, but the spaces are usually big and pretty natural. And this Manchester KOA was like that. There was water and electricity available, but it just felt pretty natural and nice and the spaces were big and yeah i think they have sewer hookup they sites have a, too. they have either sewer hookup sites or a dump station i know it was available we just didn't yeah. use it and in some times of the year they have ice cream socials and all kinds of kind of social gatherings and stuff like that yeah a lot of that stuff they had that which is cool, true of most koas i guess yeah they had that cool camp kitchen too yeah they had a camp kitchen set up it was like a big like a hexagon a hexagon or and it was like three or four stations so maybe three or four groups of campers could be using the kitchen at once if you're a tent camper and you didn't bring your own things and the people were super nice and we we it was a big space and And we met a lot of border collies yeah we did well (laughs) we're thinking of getting we have puppy fever we do (laughs) we miss our poochies anyway that's a whole nother subject isn't it (laughs) that's stuff we did on the mendocino coast and if you've been there we'd love to see your pictures because we're going to share ours with you that's right we know as much as we have seen we there's still a lot of things that we haven't seen on the coast and you know come on in the summertime when it's 100 here and Uh. it's 70 there how can we spend too much time at home? <laughs> exactly. We have the RV. <laughs> it's a great place to be, as are all of those social places where you can find us. Just start at www.stresslesscamping.com. And from there, you can jump off and go to all of those social places. And you can tell your friends about those social places or the website. Yes, indeed. And we appreciate when you do. And of course, if you don't want to miss a future episode of the Stressless Camping Podcast, it's free. And you can find us on just about any podcast app or on our website. You know that we're saving you a seat around the campfire, right? And of course, if you want to have others join us, a review on Apple Podcasts will help others find us as well. And we can keep getting great guests. Like Maureen Brooks. Absolutely. And like all the great guests that we've had. Indeed. So thank you for joining us again this week. Stay campfire safe. Stay regular safe. (laughs) And happy Happy camping. camping. We hope you learned a lot, had some fun, and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure. And we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping!